Hey guys and gals, this is Austin Nelson with the Second and Victory Podcast. We are now exclusively a part of the Broadway Sports Media family. Broadway Sports is the best place to find all your news about the Titans, Preds, and Nashville SC. For a limited time, you can get an all-access membership for $7 a month. You'll not only get our podcast that you already love, but there will be other podcasts like Football and Other F-Words, Home Run Throwback, Coach's Corner, The Flex, and The Music City Audible. We'll have film breakdowns with your favorite Titans players and other articles written by your favorites like John Glennon, Mike Herndon, and Chris Martell. So do me a favor and head to broadwaysportsmedia.com right now and sign up and find out more. Touchdown Titans! You are now listening to the Second and Victory Podcast. Welcome back to the Second and Victory Podcast. I am Austin Nelson, joined by my guys, Brett Batchelor and Chris Carter. What's up, fellas? What is going on? How are we doing tonight? We're good, man. Hey, uh, we are now a part of uh, the Broadway Sports Media family. Yes, sir. I'll clap it out. Yeah, for those who don't know, um, probably have seen on Twitter by now, uh, Second of Victory is now with Broadway Sports Media. Um, and I think for most of you who listen to our stuff, um, you probably also follow Broadway Sports uh, now on Twitter. Make sure you do at Broadway TN and get us on Twitter as well at Second of Victory. Uh, but yeah, we teamed up with Broadway Sports. Uh, we thought that was the best move for us. I'm happy and privileged to be a part of that. Uh, group uh, with some very, very bright minds. And so, um, again, make sure you go to broadwaysportsmedia.com and sign up. Right now, you get a full access membership for $7 a month. You can't beat that. So get it now um, before it spikes uh, again. But, um, guys, let's get into it. Some some Titans news that went down today. Um, a couple things, really. Um, I'll kind of go um, through it all right here. Um so Mike Vrabel had his press conference today and kind of hit on a few things um, and kind of talked about it a little bit and kind of missed some as well. But uh, to start with, um, undrafted free agent Anthony McKinney um, has voluntarily opted out uh, to play this season uh, due to COVID. Um, as you kind of seen throughout the league, a lot of players did that today. So um, Anthony McKinney is the only Titan as of now to opt out. Um, will there be more? We don't know yet. But uh, that was one thing. The Titans also placed Jayon Brown and Corey Davis on the physically unable to perform list. Um, not sure exactly what's been going on with those two, um, but right now um, those are two that are on that list. Um, Isaiah Wilson is on the reserved COVID-19 list, uh, the first round draft pick for the Titans this year, um, is on that list. And uh, surprisingly, that kind of thing we'll dive into right here now, um, The I guess one of the bigger free agents the Titans got this offseason, Vic Beasley was on the reserve, did not report list today. So, Brett, where the hell's Vic at? There, there's no telling. Hopefully he's on the interstate heading from Atlanta to Nashville right now, and he's just a little late or something. But other than that, there is no telling what's going on because, like you said, one of the bigger free agent signings, it was part of the reason of why the Jarrell Casey move was made, to go get somebody like this and to let Jeffrey Simmons step in. So now if Vic's not showing up, it's almost like, okay, where do you go on the defensive line? Obviously, you got Harold Landry guys to rush, but 
Vic is a guy that we've seen that can aggressively get to the backfield and get to the quarterback and definitely somebody that the Titans are going to need because we've seen them struggle in the past couple of years of getting to the quarterback. And then if you had Vic to go along with Jeffrey and Daquan, it's something to build on, something to look forward to, especially with Vic on a one-year deal. It's a play. It's a it's a big-time year for, for Vic. So don't know where he is. Like we said, hopefully on the interstate right now, somewhere on I-40 or 65 driving into downtown Nashville right now. I don't want to speculate on it. I mean, you know, we don't we don't really know what any of these guys' situations are, especially with uh, with COVID going on, and you know, out of, he could be home with with a family member who's who's sick, or you know, we don't we just don't know. Uh, the team hasn't released any information, but I will say, if he is opting out, um, we're in a tough spot. Honestly, I mean, mm-hmm. we're pretty much going into the season with. Uh, with the edge depth that we had last year at the end of last year, for the most part, I mean, uh, behind Landry, you still got, uh, Kamale and Reggie Gilbert, uh, and then the young guns and, in, in, uh, Roberson and what we don't know. I mean, we don't know anything about Deandre Walker's, um, NFL abilities. Um, but that's a scary group without Dick Beasley being a part of it. And, you know, it's kind of scary with with Vic Beasley being a part of it as well because we, you know, we don't know which Vic Beasley we're getting. So, <laughs> or if we're getting him at all. So, so I mean, you know, I think there needs to be another signing there, no matter what, maybe. But if if Vic's gone, I think the clowny chase has to be hit even harder by this team. I mean, Vic, like, well, go ahead, Brett. I was just going to say I was agreeing. And also, I'm pretty sure you're going to go right there too. I was just agreeing with Chris that the Clowney Chase has got to be to be bumped up if Vic, for whatever reason, can't show up. And then it, it might, in the Titans' sense, even though they don't want to, it might have to be just a little bit of an overpay as well just for the fact that you know that you can get him on the roster. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, how do you no-call, no-show on your first day on the job? <laughs> Like, I mean, how do you just not show up, like, on the first day that you come in, like, where the entire – the veterans come in and you don't – I mean, you don't tell anybody? But I'm with you, Chris. Like, you, you – I don't – you cannot speculate just yet on paper and kind of from what they report, yes, it looks bad that he's on the do not report list and yada, yada, yada. But we have no idea if you already talked to Vrabel, if you already talked to J-Rob. Like, they, they, they have to know, right, that he is somewhere. He's just not there just yet. But to counter that, like – you've had all this time if something has gone on. I mean, again, I, it just, it's so hard to talk about just because you don't know. But if something got in the way of him coming here or, you know, just, you've had plenty of time to, to figure out, you know, this day was coming to be there for your first day on the job. But um, it's, it's still early. Hopefully more comes out. But, yeah, it's just, again, I think last year Corey and uh, Jarrell started on the PUP, and obviously both of them were fine throughout the season. So, I don't look much into Corey and Jay Owen being on the PUP right now. I don't think it matters at all. Um, I mean, they can't even hit, you know, can't even practice at the moment. So there's still a few weeks away from that. So um, who knows? And as long as they're ready to go week one in Denver, I think that's all we care about. But um, something else, Jordan Williams uh, was waived by the Titans, an outside linebacker. Um, So the roster sits at 77 at the moment. So there's some, obviously some room for, for Clowney if that is, Going to happen, and uh, again, if, if Vic uh, does not um, sign, and there's some more cat space for us, 
um, to, to, to work with and play with. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to him if I'm butchering this name, but Nick Court uh, or Corte at, um, at overthecap.com, I believe. Uh, he tweeted out earlier that if Vic's contract ends up being disqualified, mm-hmm. uh, then not only would we gain that cap space, but we'd also gain a fifth rounder, uh, fifth round compensatory pick uh, because the Falcons would theoretically lose that one and we would gain one for Marcus Mariota's departure. Sure. So there is something to gain if if Vic does uh, does end up you know not reporting and and his contract gets disqualified, but it, I don't know how that would work if he is opting out for the season. Uh, I know his his contract would just toll, so it would go uh, it would move to twenty twenty one, but I'm not sure how that compensatory pick would would factor in. Speaking of compensatory picks. Do the Titans will they get one for Jack losing Jack Conklin? Is that a third round? You know, does that count? I would think so. Um, I mean, we're we're past the window where even if we sign Clowney, he doesn't factor into that. Correct. So, uh, I mean, I think it's pretty much a sure thing that we're going to get at least a third for Conklin. That'd be very nice. Awesome. All right. Um, so, something else we talk about is the expectations. For the second year guys, and so um, if we, if you know, if you guys are big busting with the boys fans like we are, no free shout outs to busting with the boys. Um, <laughs> but they just had AJ Brown on their last podcast. I don't know if you guys have listened to it yet. I did working out yesterday. It. it was pretty good. I'm gonna watch the rest of it tonight, the video of it. But um, AJ is a character, man. He um, he tells you how it is, and that's kind of something I learned about him over the last season. Um, so we'll start with him just because that's that's where we that's where I where I started it. So reality, AJ just came off in a thousand yard season uh, as a rookie, eight touchdowns, just over fifty catches. Um, Chris, what is your expectation now with AJ in this offense with Tannehill with Derek back? What's your expectation for AJ Brown in year two? I think he's a consistent thousand yard receiver. Uh, I mean, I, I I think that's kind of going to be the the, the standard for him moving forward, I mean, he kind of uh, – he showed that he can get a 1,000 yards off, off a minimum amount of catches. Um, so as he gets more more targets, uh, I think that 1,000 that yards is going to be Kate, uh, which one was the last time we said that for a tight and wide receiver. Um, but, you know, I think I think A.J. will, will continue to show that he's truly our number one uh, receiver. I, I don't really foresee him hitting the the, the sophomore slump um, that you typically hear about. I mean, he he's a dedicated uh, you know workout guy. He's he believes in himself. He believes in his teammates. I just don't foresee that happening. I, th- I think you know he's a he's a baseline thousand yard receiver moving forward. And uh, you know if we have that, I think that's that's solid for this offense. I'm right there with you, Chris. And I think too, if you look at it, his separation that he can, that he created last year from the defenders and his precision route running too. I mean, that there's things you can always work on, and those two things were amazing with him last year. And to to see him working as hard as he is this off season and working on to getting that even better. I mean, I just this, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. And and kind of like you said, Chris, baseline thousand yard receiver every year. I think, and he's I think he's already <clears throat> easily set himself up as the number one guy. And awesome, like you're talking about with him being on. Busting with the boys, I think it goes a long way for us. 
<laughs> no free shoutouts. Just for the tight, not only for the Titans fans, but for the organization as well. Seeing how much he truly cares about the game of football, talking about how on the podcast when they show in their promo how when he didn't get drafted in the first round, he was so devastated. He left his party, his house party, didn't even tell anybody, didn't even drive his own car home. He took an Uber back to his house, went in his closet, and just sat there and was totally torn apart and upset because he truly believed that he was that first-round talent. So he's already playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and we saw that last year. And then now with him probably not being in the top 100 of the NFL players and having other receivers ranked ahead of him, it's just going to add another chip on your shoulder and something that AJ loves to do with being so physical and everything like that. The sky is definitely the limit for this guy. I think something about AJ that um, is different than other Titan receivers we drafted in the past, and I kind of include, um, you know, you can include Corey, you can include Taewon Taylor, you can include Kendall Wright, Kenny Britt, the list goes on. Um, there hasn't been as much national publicity about those guys as there is about AJ Brown, and it's just because he is such a a different beast of a receiver. I mean, he's got that Julio in him. He's got that dog in him that he can be a top receiver in the league. On that podcast, uh, Taylor Lewan asks him and says, hey, in three years, who do you think is the best receiver in the league? And AJ says, me. Me. It's going to be me. And I have no doubt about that. I think we all wanted it to be Corey Davis as the number five pick. That's what you expect in a guy like that, right? We've talked about that for years now. Um, but it's been a weird uh, system for Corey because his offense is not centered around passing the ball. It's centered around running the football with Derek and DeMarco at the time. Now um, you still have Derek back there, but you also have a quarterback who can sling it. And so now that you have A.J. Brown and Corey Davis on the outside, I think you're going to see a lot more uh, targets for these guys. Um, I think – those three to four targets a game for AJ will now be eight to nine to 10 targets a game. And we've seen what he does with three to four targets a game. He'll still get over a hundred yards. Uh, he's the kind of guy to, to see ball, get ball. And I'm going to take off. Uh, I think his, the cool thing about him is that when he catches it, it's always, he, he's thinking about the end zone. And so I, I, I'm so excited to watch him. I, I truly believe that he is going to be a top five receiver in the league. And so in a couple of years, I, it's cool to have Titans fans talk about, Oh, we have a top receiver. Because right now, I think we're having a conversation about Derrick Henry. Oh, we have a top three or four running back in the league. And so we have some shit to talk. And so I think uh, we're all going to, you know, be biased about this. But um, I think A.J. Brown is definitely uh, trending up. And he's got the nickname A.J.1K for a reason. So um, I definitely expect over 1,000 yards again for A.J. Um, next season. Um, he's got eight touchdowns as a rookie. I mean, it's kind of hard to beat year after year. But – um, hopefully he can get around that same number, and I, I definitely expect the uh, the catches to go up. So I think we're all in uh, agree, agreement on that one. Um, last year's first-round pick, Jeff Simmons, obviously did not start right away coming off the torn ACL, but he comes back week seven. Am I right, guys? Week eight? <laughs> Against the Chargers, one of those games? It was the Chargers. It was the Chargers. And then obviously has a has a, a great rookie season. Nothing nothing too uh, you know nothing too crazy, but has a solid rookie season. Made some big plays um, in some games. You know, Brett, what, what's your expectation about Jeff in in year two? Is it would it be bad for me to say Jarrell Casey ish type production in year two? I mean, be better than Casey. I mean, dead. Yeah, I mean, because like. The, 
there's so much potential for this guy too because Austin, like you were saying, his first game that he ever played in the NFL last year, he stepped in right there with Jarrell Casey on the goal line to force Melvin Gordon to fumble the football to win the football game. I mean, it was literally him and Jarrell that, that did it. And he made many plays throughout the year. He was active in the Chiefs game and active in the Patriots game. He was active all around the ball. And I think that the big thing that I like to see out of Big Jeff is the fact that as big as he is and how he can really stuff the run up the middle, like we said with Jarrell right there, he's still elusive to go in and around the guards or the tackles to get back there to the quarterback. And I think that's what's big about it. And I think that's what everybody sees in him is as big as he is, he still has the speed to get up the middle and get to the quarterback. And he has, I mean, he can put so much pressure on the quarterback. Even with, even even if he doesn't get the sack and he just has a QB hit, it's going to put that right there in that quarterback's head that this dude hits hard and I don't want him to hit me again. So, I mean, I, in the long run, yes, I think that he probably, there's a very good chance that he'll be better than Jarrell Casey. But when I say Jarrell Casey-ish, I'm talking prime Jarrell Casey is what we possibly could see from Jeffrey Simmons here in year two. First of all, I just want to say happy birthday to Big Jeff. Today is his birthday. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I agree, Brett. I think, you know, if uh, over the last decade, it's easy to see, say that Jarrell Casey is the standard uh, for D-line play for the Titans. Um and I'm not taking anything away from the incredible player that, that Jarrell was for us for many years. But Simmons just has, like, this monster, like, persona that, like, I don't know. It, it really seems like he could be the best defensive lineman in the NFL. Um, and I think I think we'll, we started to see some glimpses of that last season. I know he didn't have many sacks, but just the impact he had on the field was was awesome to watch. And uh, – Knowing that he's going into the season and and will be getting significant playing time, uh, and has a has a player like uh, Daquan Jones next to him, uh, who we talked about last week, you know, being a a really uh, important force in the middle of that D line. I think we're we're primed to see uh, uh, Big Jeff just absolutely handle people this year, and I, th- I think we're all going to be pretty impressed with it. Yeah, I don't want to disrespect. This is not a. It's not a shot at Daquan Jones at all. But that D line is definitely Jeff's now. I mean, he he is the. He's going to have to be the leader of that locker room now. Um, he was drafted uh, for that reason. Jarrell Casey being traded uh, had to um, kind of raise some eyebrows around that that locker room and around that D line room in specific. And I'm, I'm sure uh, they told Jeff, "Hey, you got to step up now, man. This is this is all. This is on you." So I don't want to get Chris. I I, I, t- I want to agree with you by saying you know he could be one of the best D linemen in the league. I just think we're we're a couple years away from saying that. I, if he makes that huge jump in year two, um, and has thirty plus tackles and you know seven plus sacks, so we could definitely have that discussion. But you know when I think about the best D linemen, you know we talk about Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, um. JJ Watt, like I mean, there's some guys that you can you can throw around there in that discussion, and obviously Simmons isn't there yet, but I think we all know that he has a capability of being that. You know, there's talks around when he got drafted that, without that injury, he was a, a solidified top eight pick, top ten pick, um, and so he slid back, and uh, the Titans are lucky enough to get him. But um, I, I I just want to wait and watch. I want to just you know see what he gives us on a week to week basis. I'm excited for him for sure. Um, we see how physical he is as a rookie coming off, you know, 
that injury. Um, and he was, you know, is, he seemed like he was, you know, week seven for him that his first game, like he, it didn't seem like he was a rookie at all against that, against the chargers. So, um, I'm excited for him for sure. And, um, ready for uh ready for week one to be here um, yeah and I, I, i'm in agreement i don't think we're i don't think we're getting you know big jeff being the best defensive lineman in the league next year right. i think he'll progress toward that yeah, I hope he's uh, there. But, you know i'm not i'm not remembering exactly who said it uh it may have been Brett brian um but the the thought that what we saw last year was probably jeffrey simmons at 80 percent and this year we're no we know we're getting a 100% healthy Jeffrey Simmons is 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 really where my excitement I think comes from uh just knowing that he was he he showed so many tremendous glimpses last year and wasn't even fully healthy and because there's no way you can be fully healthy with the injury that he had in that short amount of time um so having this offseason to really recover uh, and and having that chance to to take the next step is where my excitement lies with him, for sure. All right, so a couple more year two guys, and then I'll let you guys talk about it. We'll kind of just all, um, you know, we we'll have to go down the line. But uh, other year two guy year two guys from last year's draft class are Nate Davis, um, Amani Hooker, DeAndre Walker, and David Long. Chris, out of those guys, who are you most excited to watch next season? This season. You know, I, I, part of me wants to say uh, Nate Davis, just because I really think we, you know, another year and, and, and having an off season in the system is really going to help him. But honestly, man, I'm, I loved Imani Hooker last year. Yeah. Uh, he showed some awesome flashes as well. And um, I think with Logan Ryan being gone and, and Fulton coming in as a rookie, I think Hooker's going to get some some solid field time. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he does and and what kind of element he can bring in bring to that secondary. Bro, what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with Chris. I was I was thinking he was going to go with David Long for a second because I had Amani Hooker in my head too. But I mean, I'm right there with you, Chris, on Amani Hooker. And what I see in Amani Hooker is what Lashawn Sims was before. If that if that makes sense, kind of correlating how Lashawn Sims was always going to be that guy. The, the number three guy, the number two guy, if needed to be, because it was going to be tough for the Sean to play the one or two cornerback with the guys we had in the room. And it's going to be the same thing for Imani Hooker with Vaccaro and Byard and, like you said, Christian Fulton. But what I, but the potential that I see in him is that guy that's always going to be there. He's not going to be a massive name, but the guy that you know will do the job. He's not going to make too much noise, but he's going to get the job done. He's going to go out there on the field, and he's just going to do what he has to do, just like the Sean Sims did. And kind of speaking of, of clowning, like we said, that – like when Clowney said, hey, 23, I've never seen who you are before. I know we've all seen the video, and then Sean Sims picks it off. I see the same thing in Imani Hooker, kind of going out there, getting the job done, and doing what he needs to do. But I'll talk about Nate Davis for a second, too. I think this offseason has been huge for Nate Davis because he gets a full workout in. He gets a full time in the system, and he'll come into this year being the, the full-time starting right guard. So the, we know the Titans can run the ball to the left with Roger Saffold and Taylor Lewan and Ben Jones when he pushes left. But – we got to find out if the Titans can run the ball right. And we know that Derek is so good on the outside, but we got to know if, if Derek can push it up the middle on the right side as well. So when, when Ben Jones has to push right on the right side and somebody else pulls, we got to know that Nate Davis will be there and be able to push everything open. And we still don't even know who the right tackle is going to be, whether it be Dennis Kelly or, or Isaiah Wilson. 
So we got to know that we can trust Nate Davis and be solidified on that right side of the ball and run it as efficiently on the right side as we can on the left side as well. Yeah, somebody asked me the other day, um, do I think that they'll start Isaiah Wilson right away at guard or right tackle and, you know, vice versa against Kelly? Will he start at guard or right tackle? And I'm thinking, no. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, Nate Davis. Like, you can't just get rid of Nate Davis like that because you've got a, a massive human being at right tackle now in the first round. Like, you know, Nate Davis played well last season. Um, and he was, he was a third-round draft pick. It's not like he was undrafted. Exactly. I mean, this is a guy that – he can play, man. He, he, right guard is what he does. And so um, – the third-round draft pick who, who had to completely change his stance and everything. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so he, exactly. It's like a quarterback having to change his throwing motion. You have to – your your body is so used to, to being in that position, and that's – that's he had to change his mindset with it. So and, for him to come on the way he did at the end of the season, I think, shows a lot of value as well. And it's, it's not every day either that you see somebody from a school like UNC Charlotte go in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. So it shows that his potential and his ability is is there. And then to go through all the changes and come on at the end of the season, I mean, I, I'm with you too, Austin. It's definitely going to be Nate Davis on the offensive line, regardless of who the other two guys are. 100%. I agree with that. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with uh, David Long um, as mine just because um, he came on strong in the playoffs and really not throughout the regular season. Uh, he only had 15 tackles all year long, but 13 of those came in the playoffs. So he stepped up big in the Baltimore game specifically. I remember that. Uh, he, played, he played a lot of, uh, lot of snaps there. So – um, I would love to see him get more playing time on defense. Um, I know, you know, the, the linebackers are, are going to be Jayon and, and Rashawn, and, you know, those are two studs that the Titans have back there now. And I know for a long time, uh, Chris knows, I've complained a lot about the linebackers, how the Titans needed speed. They needed somebody to go um, sideline to sideline. And uh, Rashawn and Jayon are both those kind of guys. But then you have a guy back there, David Long, who was – um, the Big 12 defensive player of the year at West Virginia. I mean, the guy can play as well, and we got him in the seventh round. So I'm excited to watch him in year two. I don't know exactly kind of what the plan will be for him. I, I mean, I don't know because he didn't play a whole lot in, in year one. Um, so um, a lot of special teams, but um, hopefully, um, you know, he gets a lot more snaps in, in year two and, and kind of can increase his uh, productivity. But um, yeah. David's one that I, I'm excited to watch. And then, of course, um, DeAndre Walker um, is one that we did not see in year one. Um, was on IR all year, so he'll be back. And we kind of talked about at the beginning of the podcast, pass rush with Vic, you know, who knows the question mark with him right now. And so DeAndre Walker will have to play, obviously, in year two, because um, if not, they're going to call Brett and I to come rush the passer, and the, nobody wants to see that. So. Um, <laughs> DeAndre Walker's got to play. And, I mean, again, that's a fifth-round pick. He, he was very productive at Georgia when he was there. Uh, I think we all watched, you know, SEC football on a week-to-week basis and, you know, saw his name a lot. So, just another guy to look out for. But, uh, you know, to kind of piggyback off this, you know, we know now the preseason will be canceled. And these were guys that we watched a ton in uh, preseason um, the last couple years and who um, really made a name for themselves. You know, we always – Chris and I – all three of us, we, we really love talking about our training camp, you know, crushes. And it's always somebody, a wide receiver or a linebacker or a DN, somebody like that. And this year, 
we're not going to have a chance to know those guys. Uh, they won't have their, their their four preseason games to, to go out there and really prove themselves uh, or make a play. Um, so that's it, it's crushing. A lot of people don't like preseason. I'm a fan of it. I, I like knowing those guys. Um, I think we can all agree on that. We're pretty we're pretty yep. big fans of the underdog. So um, to 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 say that I say this. You know what does the end of the Titans roster look like? Um, you know those guys who are on drafted free agents who are you know wanted to get their shot are going to have to prove it in practice now in those scrimmages at at St. Thomas Sports Park. So. Um, anybody that, that kind of, you know, you like to, to already from kind of watching film or kind of just seeing uh, who the Titans signed on draft wise, anybody on the back in the roster that you hope makes the team? Oh, gosh. I really wouldn't be shocked if, if uh, maybe two undrafted free agent wide receivers make this team. Um, we, we know the depth at wide receivers, a, a bit of an issue right now. And, you know, we've heard a lot of good things about Mason Kinsey and um, yes. and Christian Wilkerson. Uh, but then you also have uh, – I'm drawing a blank. The kid from Arizona State, Williams. Uh, I don't remember his first name. Uh, but, you know, the three – those three are going to compete hard. Kyle um, Williams. Kyle Williams, that's the guy. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see one of those three guys or two of those three guys uh, make this make this uh, roster at wide receiver. I also wouldn't be shocked to see four or five UDFAs make the roster. Yeah, uh, you know, I think I think there's definitely going to be uh, a little more lean toward those guys because their contracts are so cheap, uh, and with with COVID nineteen going on and you know a potential decrease in salary cap in the future. Uh, they're going to be, that's going to be, you know, weighing on these GMs' minds. Um, so, you know, four or five UDFAs making the roster wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. I'm yeah. And I'm, oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I'm with, I was with Chris too, because we know that Mike Vrabel and, and J Rob don't mind signing the, the lesser guys too, if they can go out there and get the job done, because they're, they're huge on you go out there and get the job done, and then we'll reward you afterwards. For sure. And, and I know um, J-Rob is a big fan of the under of the, the underdogs, the undrafted free agents. So he, I'm, I'm sure he's kind of bummed as well for not getting to watch those guys week after week because he watches them practice, watches them go through drills. And so uh, for them not to actually go outside and, and go, you know, on a game um, and uh, actually prove themselves, uh, probably, you know, all the coaches and, and the, the staff hate it. But I'm with you, Chris. You know, I was really excited for Mason Kinsey. Um, and, and Kyle Williams. Both, I watched both their, their tape, and they both can ball. So, bummed to watch them. But I'm with you. I think one, maybe two, you're right, could make the roster, if not be on the practice squad at least, um, to get that call up. I think we, we know how much J-Rob loves the, the practice squad and brings guys up and, you know, back down multiple times. I think Matt Dickerson has been a part of the practice squad like 40 times, it feels like, last season. So, um We'll see, but uh, yeah, just something we wanted, we wanted to hit on real quick. Again, you can get us on Twitter at Second of Victory. Go ahead, Brett. I was going to say, I think, and I don't know if this will be a – you guys can tell me if this is bold or not, but I I'm, I would not be surprised to see with three quarterbacks on the roster because I know the Titans usually keep two and then one on the practice squad, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Tano with the starter. And then – it, uh, right now, honestly, there's there's no telling who the number two is going to be, whether it be Woodside or Cole McDonald. But I, 
I personally would not be surprised just to see all three on the active roster and then maybe one of them as a maybe a, a game day scratch or something like that. But because we don't get the preseason games and because we don't get to go see like the Patriots like we have or the Falcons like we have in training camp before, like you like both you guys said, we can't see them in actual play against other teams. I wouldn't be surprised to see all three just active because like we saw last year, Woods was on the on the practice squad zone, then he was called up, then he was back and forth. But now I could definitely see all three right there on the X roster. Because beforehand, if, if none of this COVID stuff happened, I probably would have had two quarterbacks, maybe you signed one to the practice squad or something like that. But now with all this going on, and again, you got, I mean, it could be a bold call, but I'm not sure at all. But I could definitely see just keeping all three quarterbacks active on the roster full time. I, I absolutely think you're right. I think all three make the roster, and I think – the likelihood of that happening is well above 70, 80%. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, just, just with the concerns of, of COVID-19 and all of that, you definitely don't want to have a situation where you only have two quarterbacks that know the system. Um, so I, I think it's pretty much a guarantee that all three are on the 53-man roster. I mean, yeah. If if Ryan Tannehill goes down, knock on wood, the Titans are tough. <laughs> uh, the Titans the Titans season's kind of out the window at that point, in my opinion. Um, I don't see Logan Woodside or Cole McDonald coming in and, and, and salvaging the season. Um, if, if Ryan has to miss, you know, six plus weeks, but there's not a whole lot to pick from either um, out on the market. You got a couple guys: Blake Bortles, Deshaun Kaiser, Toby uh, Kessler, I believe. Um, I'm, I'm, I hope this list is pretty accurate. Um, Yes, June 25th, so not a whole lot out there. I mean, as we've made fun of Blake Bortles for a long time, but I don't know, would you trust Blake Bortles more than you would trust Logan Woods out of Cole McDonald right now? The guys you got. Um, I mean, Logan, Logan has had, you know, a year plus in the in this system. Yeah. Um, so I think I would lean toward that over somebody like Bortles. I, yeah, I think I would too. You can also always go get Kyle Shermer. Shout out Vandy. <laughs> but just uh, trade for Marcus Beck. Yeah, hey. <laughs> you can always do that. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, have y'all seen like the Raiders' new facilities and whatnot? I've seen the stadium. I haven't seen like the practice facility or anything. It's pretty nice, obviously. I mean, they're they're it's the Raiders and they're in Vegas now. It's going to be state of the art. Yeah, the the facility's amazing. The stadium obviously looks amazing. I love the name of it. Was it the? Uh... Oh, I'm drawing. I'm drawing a blank here. About the stadium? Yeah, they're like there is a nickname to it. Oh, 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 yeah. It's like the black hole or something. It's the Death Star. Death Star. Yes, there you go. Oh, yeah. That's it. I just think that's the coolest name for a stadium. And then you say, then you have the the Rams' new stadium, who they're still asking for money because obviously they didn't know how to budget what they already had. Um, I don't know, man. How I, I don't understand that either. We're getting off topic here, but we're at the end of the podcast now. Um, how do the Chargers okay that the stadium looks just like the Rams' logo? Have y'all seen that? Yes. What? What makes that okay? Bro, just go back to San Diego. I agree. Did the Rams put up more money than the Chargers, obviously? I guess that would have to be it. Had to have been. 
I, I have not understood the move to LA since day one. It makes no sense to me that you have two teams in LA. Nobody in LA wanted them. No. I mean, they're used to not having fans in the stadium, so they should be fine this year. I mean, or or if you want it, if you want your own place so bad, just take over the Rams spot in St. Louis and go create your or move somewhere that hasn't had a team and create your own. You're always because the Chargers will always be number two in Los Angeles, plain and simple. They will never be the number one team in Los Angeles. I mean, they they won't even they won't even when they played at the MLS stadium, LA Galaxy were more popular than they were. I mean, they're they're they are like the number five team. If in the city, every oh, every LA team has one superior. It's the Lakers over the Clippers, the Dodgers over yeah. the Angels. You're right, the Galaxy over LAFC. Like it's always in the yeah. middle. Now it's the Rams or the Chargers. Like they're gonna have to play little brother no matter what. Um, every time, for sure. And and this, I think the sad thing is that you know there's a lot of things that I like way more about the Chargers than I do the Rams. I mean, the uniforms specifically, the uniforms are fire. The uniforms are, are some of the best in the league. The color scheme is one of the best in the league. Uh, they, have, they have a pretty likable roster. I mean, guys like Keenan Allen and, and those guys, you know, it's a, it's a likable group of players. It's, it's just a dumb situation when it comes down to it. Like, I, I just don't understand it. I think they can. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They could be very successful if they establish themselves in in like their own city, <clears throat> San Diego. <clears throat> I just think. See, I hate the Chargers uniforms. I can't lie to you. Hey, that's the first person I've ever seen that. I, I, I yeah, think it, I think it's the numbers on the helmet that are doing it for me. Like it, they, I hate it. Like no other team in the NFL has numbers on their helmet. Why are you doing it? Actually, the Redskins. Easy, Chris. It's the Washington football team. Now. <laughs> oh. Tuesday. Okay. This year. <laughs> but for years to come after that, it's going to – I hope they do away with the numbers. I, I think it's hideous. That just looks like such a tacky concept. Like only a few teams can pull that off. Like Alabama can. <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it does it. But I, I'm not a big fan of it at all. I don't like the logo and the numbers. I think they have like 29 different uniform combinations, don't they? Like there's so many uniform combinations. They, do. they have the light blue jerseys, the white, and then they have the dark blue jerseys. Then they have um, – they have a yellow? Or am I just making that up? Oh, yellow. They have yellow pants. I, I, I'm just not a big fan of it. I don't know. I liked what they had before. Like I thought their uniforms before – I love their old uniforms. I can't lie. I, I loved them. I thought they had great uniforms. Um, I don't know. I'm just not the biggest fan. Like, I don't like the Jets' new uniforms, really. They look like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at the CFL. Yeah, the green helmet. I thought they looked they looked fine with their old uniforms. Um, I hate the Colts' new numbers on their uniforms. I hate the Colts in general, but <laughs> I, hate the I don't know, man. They're so bad. I'm just not the – I don't know. The gradient's just don't work. Gradients do not work on uniforms, and I yeah, don't know. Yeah, that too. See, uh, I, don't know, uh, I, I think the, the that the – it may work for the Falcons. Like, I th- if any colors can happen with it, 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 red and black are like the two colors that I think yeah. it can work with. I, I do agree with that, and I want to see it in live action, but 
there has never been an instant instance of gradients being used on uniforms that looked good. I saw so, a uh, a few weeks ago, and it was just like a, a a graphic. It was a fake picture of um, the jersey, like on Julio Jones, and they had him running down the field, uh, and it looked good. I can't lie, like the the mix between the red and coming down to the black to the pants. It was it was a clean look, uh, so I didn't hate it there, but. At the time, I think we were all just kind of like, why did y'all do this? Like, who who okayed this? But I, I don't think it'd be as bad as, as we think originally. But, uh, well, listen, I hope next week when we talk again, um, Jadavion Clowney is a Titan. <laughs> I hope. Um, Vic Beasley is reported. Yeah, I hope Vic Beasley is reported. Um. And I really hope that David Clowney's a Titan. Like that, that's it. Like that's all we it's all we need to care about right now is that happening. And so um again, follow us on Twitter at Second to Victory. Um subscribe to the podcast, like five stars. Um you can get us on Spotify and Apple, of course. And uh, make sure you follow at uh Broadway TN, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Go and sign up now for the seven dollars a month to get all access. You do not want to miss it. Uh, obviously, we all three um Read the great work by the people there. So you guys will enjoy and looking at stuff. Real quick on that. Yeah. You know, since launch, there's even been more additions to the team. Yeah. Like you mentioned yeah. earlier, uh, if you're a, a Nash- Nashville soccer club fan, like I am, season ticket holder, um, the guys from Speedway Soccer recently joined up, and they're it's one of the, the best soccer podcasts I've ever listened to. Love those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoyable to listen to. So. It's a it's a great group of contributors that is seems to be only getting better. Speaking of that, Chris, I got the MLS back turning on uh, behind kind of behind me right now, watching Columbus and Minnesota play right now, and it tears me apart that Nashville had to pull out of this tournament. It just completely. I was so excited for them to come back, and when I saw that Dallas had to pull out because of their stuff going on, and when I saw that Nashville had those like those first two cases reported. And that they were kind of starting to cancel practice, and then more and more came out. I, it was only evident that they were going to have to pull out. But when they officially did it, it just tore me up. Yeah, I pretty much had that same feeling early on. Uh, I have uh, a great friend of mine is also a season ticket holder, and I was texting her about it, and she was like, "You think we're going to have to pull out?" And I was like, "Yeah, I, I really think it's going to happen." And, and sure enough, uh, didn't even get to play a game, but. You know, hopefully there's there seems to be a plan in place for the league to start back in mid-August. So uh, maybe we'll get some some uh, inaugural season games after all. But <laughs> there's there's potential on the roster. I mean, I know technically they had they've never won an MLS game yet because they only got to play two. But I mean, with Gary Smith still at the helm and you got Ian Ayers up there in the front office, I do it's going to be a while. But I still do think there is some some potential within the organization. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Got a lot of good young guys to like too, you know, kind of led yeah. by Walker Zimmerman. Um, for sure. But a whole, whole lot of young guys uh, on that roster worth, worth keeping an eye on. So I just let you guys talk. Y'all know me. I'm <laughs> not the brightest soccer mind around here. <laughs> we'll get you there. We'll get yeah, you there. I, I'm going to try. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give it a chance. I just obviously, you know, we, the National SC got two games in, so I couldn't really fall in love with them just yet. Yeah. Um, I well, uh, so uh, so when we get our Austin and I will both be moving over the next few months and uh, pretty close to each other, uh, in our yeah. new houses, so we'll have to have some NSC watch parties. I will be happy if you just if you 
break me down. Like I need, I need like the players, the, like the formations, like I need a sheet printed off when I walk in your house. Like, all right, here you go. <laughs> Nashville SC for dummies yeah. one-on-one. Like I need that. I'll have, I'll have headshots and everything. So you can, you can match them up. Good. Hey, you guys know that what we can look forward to though, is this Saturday afternoon when the Nashville Predators finally hit the ice again. That, I, I am excited about that. I can get behind that for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. I am all here for that one. NBA back shortly. They've been playing some scrimmages and stuff. So I've already finally sports are happening again, guys. We're getting there. Yeah. Yep. I'm here for it. All of it for sure. All right, for Brett Bachelor and Chris Carter, uh, I am Austin Nelson. Appreciate you listening again to the Second Victory Podcast. We will see y'all next week. Tighten up. Tighten up.